0: All right. Hey, welcome back to the next episode of the Match Gym Experience. Today, we have a very special guest here. Uh, I want to make sure I say your name right. I, I can get the for Paige Abbott? Abbott. Abbott. Yeah. Um, for people who are watching, could you kind of just let them know who you are kind of type thing?
1: Yeah, so I'm a registered psychologist, and I've been in practice for 10 years in the province of Alberta, and I've specialized in addiction psychology for the last eight years. I've worked at an outpatient addiction and mental health clinic, and I recently started my own private practice.
0: Sweet. A fellow Canadian. Hello. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm over on the East Coast, just to give you an idea.
1: I saw that, yeah.
0: Oh, Okay. Um, My first question to you was going to be just since, since you specialize in addiction, can you first kind of define what, what is addiction? Like, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so addiction, as I work with it, unfortunately, hmm. there's a lot of different definitions and understandings of addiction out there. Um, but I work with a team of health professionals, and so I actually work with the medical definition of addiction, Mm -hmm. um, which is by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, and the Canadian and the International Societies of Addiction Medicine have adopted that, and what it defines addiction as is that it's a primary chronic brain condition um, that impacts a whole bunch of different areas of people's health and functioning including things like memory, motivation, uh, behavior, feelings, thinking. So it impacts all parts of the person. Um, Mm -hmm. But the key takeaways from that for me are that it does live in the brain. So it's not a choice thing it's not a willpower thing it's not a moral thing um, and that it is chronic so even for people who have moved past issues with a specific behavior um, there still are some long-term implications of having addiction
0: okay so the two main things that I got from that just to make sure is that when, when we're talking about addiction we're talking about things that are you know it's almost like it's compulsive it's not like you can make a choice you're doing it yeah. no matter what that's true. and then in the long term there's also there's going to be effects there as well
1: that's right
0: yeah okay so for an easy example some people get addicted to gambling and they mm-hmm. kind of compulsively gamble and i'm sure there's a lot of different reasons but could you kind of outline just a few of the different reasons for why someone might get addicted to something how does this kind of come to be
1: yeah so when we're talking about addiction we I would encourage you to not get too caught up in what people are addicted to Mm -hmm. Um, because again that limits the focus and the understanding we're looking at addiction as a brain condition so gambling just happens to be a symptom that that particular brain gravitated towards Um, where addiction comes from actually a huge part of it is genetic so up to about 70% of it comes from something that's totally beyond our control which is our genes and our hereditary predisposition and then the rest of it is is down to environment exposure and stress that we encounter during our lives.
0: Okay, and that environment, or I mean sorry, that genetic side, that's something that's kind of out of our control.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: But we do have that kind of control on the environmental side.
1: To a certain extent, I mean, as kids, we Mm. don't really have a lot of influence over how we're raised, who our caregivers are, those sorts of things. Um, But absolutely, we do have the ability to self-regulate, to look after ourselves, and to do our best to be accountable and responsible for our own health. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the unfortunate part is that by the time we're really looking after ourselves and aware Mm -hmm. that we need to look after ourselves, some of that initial damage, so to speak, may have been done. So when we're kids, We're not really thinking about how do I look after my emotional health or what do I do to make sure I'm not overdoing it with a certain behavior. Uh Um, So it is helpful if parents can be mindful of that and try to help their kids out with emotional regulation, with behavior, just keeping behaviors in balance and giving them diversity. Um, So absolutely, there's things we can do preventatively, um, but sometimes by the time we're even aware there's preventative work to be done um, there may already be quite a bit of activation of
0: addiction I see
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we ha- so 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 just to make sure uh, so what 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 environments could lead to these addictions forming in your or just like you know leading to your brain
1: any of them? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's a bit of a random thing, right? That uh-huh. You never quite know um, what environment is going to be enough to trigger addiction in that individual's particular brain. So for some people, it can take just a little bit of stress or exposure to substance or some trauma. For other people, they could endure years of dysfunction or abuse or stress and they don't manifest addiction so it really is down to again the inborn kind of resilience Mm -hmm. in each person Um, so there is quite a bit of randomness to it that I don't think we quite understand at this point I don't know if we ever will um, but it is pretty random
0: and when we're talking about addiction this is generally is always negative you can you have a good addiction For example, I know some people might say they're addicted to maybe working out. or
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's a common one. Work as well is another one. Um, Success, power, money. People think, well, what's the harm in being in pursuit of these things? Mm -hmm. Um, What I always say to people is that there can always be too much of a good thing, right? That Mm -hmm. I've seen people who have injured themselves. They've blown out their knees. They've broken their ankles. They've physically debilitated themselves through that compulsive behavior. Um, So personally, I don't ever encourage people to focus on like a healthy addiction. Um, I encourage people to look at balance and recovery in all aspects so that they can enjoy these behaviors, um, but without it being detrimental.
0: Okay. Uh. So one of the things that you mentioned just before, though, was more so just like you should go for some preventative actions so that you don't get addicted. Uh, I think one. So, for example, you said stress might lead to addiction in some people if you know, they endure it for long enough. it adjust stress. So what preventative measures could people you know, practically take?
1: Yeah, so I really like using and talking about a holistic approach to health and recovery, Uh um, which can mean looking after yourself physically, emotionally, psychologically, cognitively, spiritually, culturally, and financially, as well as socially. So, if you're really looking at health in all of those different domains, making sure your physical health is. You're resting, you're eating well, you're exercising a bit, maybe not a lot. Um, With your cognitive health, you're looking after your feelings, you're stimulating yourself, meaning you do puzzles, you engage, your intellect is engaged with stuff. Um, You're engaging in healthy relationships. You have some kind of spiritual connection. I don't mean religious necessarily, but just that connection to the world beyond yourself. So it might be nature, it might be meditation, it might be who knows, Um, as well as culturally. So a lot of people who have addiction, they've lost connection with their cultural roots So I find that's also an important part of prevention is incorporating yourself in your community, whether that's the Canadian community um, or a specific cultural or even faith-based community, Um, and then also financial recovery. So just making sure that you're taking care of yourself financially. Um, These are all things that can help even if you recognize that you have addiction, but they can Mm -hmm. certainly help with the prevention of it.
0: And that, that's, that's very interesting that you say that. It reminds me of a quote I've heard, and I'll, and I'll ask you if there's any truth to this. I heard a quote, mm-hmm. something along the lines that uh, all families are happy in the same way, but unhappy in their own individual way. Mm-hmm. So going to, speaking to what you just said, uh, would you say that, you know, if you mess up even one of these things that could lead to kind of a disruption in your own psyche to, your, to addiction?
1: Again, it could or mm-hmm. it could not. It's hard to give those hard and fast answers, Um, but I think that obviously if we recognize there's an area we're undervaluing or not looking after in our lives, Whenever we can catch that, I would encourage people to take action on rebalancing it. So, for instance, if you recognize you've never really learned how to deal with emotions, um, as soon as that is brought to your attention, I would encourage you to take action to do something about it. Because obviously, the longer we wait, then potentially the more damage that can be done. Now, whether that means we manifest addiction or a mental health symptom okay but it could also just lead to poor quality of life and obviously mm-hmm. as a psychologist that's my main goal is to just help everybody um, to have the highest quality of life possible.
0: Right and I, I probably guess that this would differ between person to person how much to what degree are they missing on certain elements and how much to what degree do they need uh, each of these elements for sure but is there any kind of uh, broad kind of statements that are generally true for most people that maybe more more people at least in your experience you see have been uh, missing out on their emotional side is there anything that you see that's commonly overlooked
1: yeah I kind of half jokingly um, say it to clients that Mm -hmm. I primarily work on relationships and feelings because those really are the things that tended to be undervalued and underappreciated um, throughout people's whole lives. And Mm -hmm. they start to recognize that as they develop more and more mental health symptoms or addiction, um, that these are the things that really add the fuel to those symptoms. So I would really encourage, and I encourage parents to do it all the time, that the more you can really work with your kids on emotional health and talking about feelings checking in on feelings not just talking about your day um, which a lot of families do right hey how was Mm. your day oh i did this Um, but then we don't ask that essential next question of so what was that like for you or how did you feel about that which encourages and incorporates that feeling aspect into conversation which then allows kids to develop that emotional language so that if or when they're having challenges, now they actually have the language to be able to talk about it. So that stress doesn't get stockpiled or stored up inside of them and then can lead to outbursts in the short term and it can lead to addiction or mental health symptoms in the longer term. So. Hmm. Emotional health is one thing. And then just looking at healthy relationships is the other. So having boundaries, healthy communication, being able to be assertive rather than passive or aggressive. Um, these are really important skills that surprisingly so many of us don't have and don't practice.
0: How how could we practice them?
1: We need to learn about them. So Mm -hmm. we need to have awareness of our shortfalls, where we need to practice, where we need to learn, And then we actually need to literally practice. So we have to be willing to take action to do things differently. So read some books, watch some YouTube videos or listen to some podcasts, Um, learn how do we communicate effectively? What are boundaries? Um, If we're completely in the dark, then be curious, be open, go Mm -hmm. out there and learn as much as you can but then the essential step is take action. So just start building in small steps of action into your daily life. I always give the example to clients that if you really are struggling with assertiveness, then maybe when you're just out and about in a store and a store worker maybe short you or forgets to put an item in your bag, um, the passive person would say, oh, it's not a big deal. Forget it. I'll just go home without it. The aggressive person would lose their mind and yell and argue about this small thing. Um, That's a great place to practice assertiveness, just politely and respectfully saying, Hey, excuse me, you forgot to put that in my bag. Oh, okay, the situation will likely be remedied. And it's a low stakes situation, but a great place for us to practice. So start off small. And Mm -hmm. then that provides you with the skills that maybe the next time you're at that dysfunctional family dinner um, and your great uncle starts going off at the table and a situation that normally you wouldn't say anything or you'd explode in, maybe now you handle it
0: differently. Okay. And I love that. And I'll relate this to a story. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tim Ferriss. Um, Yeah, I've
1: heard of him. Yeah,
0: he's he's not a psychologist per se, but one thing he talks about is getting uncomfortable or being comfortable more so with uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And one one example of a, a strategy he tells people to employ would be to go the next time you buy a coffee to just ask for a discount bluntly. Mm-hmm. And it's more so, I mean, it's nothing's really going to happen either. They'll give it to you or they won't, but it gets you in that yeah. kind of uncomfortable situation. Um, but relating back to what you said before, I, I'm very interested in this. So, it's really just about educating and then implementing yourself yeah. in the boundaries of your relationships and feelings. Yeah. Now, one thing I could imagine people at home might be thinking is, I don't even know where to start. What, what <laughs> dimensions am I missing? Mm-hmm. What, what, what would you say to that person where they, you know what I mean? They're unconsciously unconscious. How could we bring it into light what they don't know?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. And I would say there's probably a variety of different angles that you could take. Um, Obviously, they could go in a more formal route. So Mm. go talk to their family doctor or go talk to a psychologist, um, somebody who's professional and trained and can maybe help you to outline um, the roadmap. So some of the places where you are lacking. Mm -hmm. Um, other people may not find the interest or the willingness to do that i think if they're open enough to even ask that question then just sitting down and asking yourself what am i doing in the emotional health category what am i doing in the relational health category so look at what you're doing well and then also ask yourself the question where do i feel i'm struggling And even just doing a bit of self-reflection, I think most people would be able to identify at least one area that requires some work. So they may say, yeah, actually, I don't ever ask other people how they're feeling. Okay, then maybe that's something you can actually start to practice right away. You don't even need any education or awareness, you just need to start doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe someone else would say, yeah, actually, I don't think I have very good boundaries in my relationships. I don't really even know what that means or what that looks like, um, but maybe now I want to learn more. So then, next step would be just Google boundaries on Google, um, mm-hmm. and see what comes up. Start doing some reading, and then out of that, you can start to make some tangible goals. So kind of along that lines of Tim Ferriss, yes, we have to practice being uncomfortable. Um, I personally encourage people try and make your discomfort somewhat personally relevant so connect it to your goal right so if you're working on physical health but going and asking for a discount at the coffee shop becomes the act you take i don't think that's really going to help you get where you want to be right okay. um, but challenging yourself to do something out of your comfort zone in the physical realm now now we're actually taking steps that are out of the comfort zone but they're in that domain that you're actually trying to do some work. So honestly, Mm -hmm. long and the short of it, sit down and just ask yourself the question, what do I want to change? Where do I want to begin? Um, You'll be surprised that I think most people intuitively have an answer to that question.
0: Okay. So for example, if somebody were say to be, uh, maybe they wouldn't even consider themselves addicted, but maybe they spend too much time on their phone or they play video games. One of the first thing that, you might suggest to them would be to kind of take a look at your life. Where, what, what's missing? What, what would you say to that person to kind of evaluate?
1: Yeah, I would actually say, encourage them to look at what's driving that behavior. So uh-huh. what is it about their phone that's enticing to them? So in being on their phone, what parts of life are they gaining? So what does it give you? But also, what are you missing out on? And in looking at both of those things, we can start to see what parts of a behavior we may want to keep and what parts of a behavior we may want to change.
0: Okay. Um, I can
1: maybe elaborate on that a little bit. So if someone, for instance, is looking at their phone a lot, and they're saying, actually, you know, there's parts of this that are helpful for me. So when I'm on my phone, um, maybe I'm doing some work or I'm doing some research, I'm learning, and they like that part of being on their phone. But then there's other parts of being on their phone that they don't like. They don't find value in. Yeah, after I do some research, then I'm playing games for an hour, um, which doesn't serve me. It distracts from my life. It's just a time filler. I do it when I'm bored. So then the question becomes, okay, so what are some other things that you could maybe start doing when you're bored rather than being on there playing games and feeling like you're just wasting time?
0: And you would look for something that's kind of where they want to do it as well. What if they, because I could see somebody saying, why don't you, instead of playing your games, you should read. But if they hate reading, that wouldn't be the best option. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't encourage that. So try to do something that's realistic for you. Um, Uh That's the whole thing with change. It has to be personal and it has to be meaningful. So we can have a thousand people around us who have an idea of what they want us to do and where they want us to go. Um, But we're not going to care at the end of the day. All that matters is the one person of ourselves that we know where we want to go and what we want to do. And that's really all that matters. So your goals always have to be personal and meaningful and relevant to you.
0: It it seems like uh, this is something I've noticed a lot in the last year in my life is that a lot of this comes down to self-awareness you need to really absolutely do you have any tips for people to gain a heightened self-awareness how do they become more aware of themselves because i find a lot of people might not even know what they like just maybe asking themselves might be one or
1: asking themselves is one the other thing i commonly recommend people do is just spend some time with yourself Which may sound a little bit strange, but when we really look at our lives, um, going to work, going to school, being out with friends, doing stuff online, all of these things, we're not actually with ourselves. We're busy in other pursuits, so even just making some space to... Go do an activity with yourself that's just motivated by you, not by a family member or a friend or a loved one. Um, Take yourself to a movie that you want to see and then ask yourself, what did I think about that? Did I actually like that? Um, Mm -hmm. Spend some time even just in a quiet room with yourself, like you said, asking, what do I like? Who am I? Um, What are my preferences? meditation, kind of going inwards can be helpful for people. Um, But some people really struggle to do that initially. So it's just making that time to actually be with yourself that I find is really important. So some people kind of jokingly refer to it as like dating yourself. Um, Uh To me, that's almost a little bit too cheesy. It's just literally spending time with yourself, um, figuring out what you enjoy, what you're passionate about, what's working and what's not working
0: and how often you might spend time with yourself would probably differ from person to person.
1: It would. I do honestly encourage people to try and make a point of doing it every day if you can, even just Mm. for a couple minutes, to check in with yourself and reflect back on your day, asking those questions. So what worked during my day? What did I like? What worked well? What did I enjoy? And then also, what didn't work during my day? What was difficult? What was stressful? And what were the feelings that came up during my day? Even just asking one or a couple of those questions gives us a lot of information about who we are, what we value, what we like, and then we can start to act more and more in authenticity and congruence every day because now we have a better idea of who we are.
0: I love that. I'd like to ask you a, another question. It's it's more related into growing up and uh, learned helplessness. Mm. I, I, this is something that I feel that might be very ramp. Not maybe ramp is not the best word, but it happens a lot. Like, One example yeah. I could think of is in school. If you got bullied, you would probably become learned like learned helplessness would become something that happens to you because no matter what you do, people would put you down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that probably applies to a lot of different spheres in a lot of people's lives today. Mm -hmm. Would you have any suggestions for somebody who might find that they have limiting beliefs? How did somebody overcome that?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's lots of different ways that we can overcome Mm -hmm. that. It all comes back to that really kind of simple formula of awareness plus action. So we do need to have some awareness of, what are my thoughts? What is my brain telling me? What are those limiting beliefs? But then we also need to be willing to take action to do something different. And I find a really common stumbling block is that people wait until they have full awareness before they start to take action. Uh-huh. The challenge to that is that we can never have full awareness. We're never going to know our psyche, where things are important to us, we're never going to have that clarity. So even just to have some degree of awareness, even that I probably have some limiting beliefs, that's an element of awareness that you can then start to work on. Okay, so if I have some limiting beliefs, even if I don't know what they are, now how can I start to take action to build the antidote to that, which would be self-compassion and self-love? So it's a quite simple formula, um, but I think as humans, we, we tend to overcomplicate things and we get really lost in our heads thinking we have to know why something's happening before we can change it. Not true. If we just know something's present, we can change anything at any time, but we have to be willing
0: to take the action. Okay. Um, other than that, that was all the main questions I have, but I, I do have one more. Is there anything that I didn't uncover that you would want to share with the people? Um,
1: I think coming back to the topic of addiction, I -hmm. would just really encourage young people out there. So as young as eight or nine years old, um, to just really be mindful that most people do have some degree of genetic risk for addiction in their heritage. I have it. Probably you have it. Um, I'm sure we can, most of us can look to a relative, an uncle, or an aunt, or a grandparent, or even a parent um, who has struggled with addiction. And so there is some genetic risk within us. And so it's important that we don't just go out and engage without thought with substances without appreciating the risk that may come with that. Um, Not to be too much of a bummer police, but the reality (laughs) is that some people, even from that first drink or that first smoke or that first toke or whatever it happens to be, um, that's enough that it pushes their brain over the edge and because of all the other factors in the mix, that starts them on that path of active addiction. So it is very important for young people. I know there's lots of marijuana smoking, um, especially in Canada, now that it's been legalized, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of drinking. um, And I really would just encourage young people to be really mindful of that. Like our brains are still developing until we're 25 years old. Um, So when we throw substances like that in the mix, The reality is that it does have an impact, whether it's addiction related or just brain health. um, I really encourage people to just try your best to give your brain and your mental health its best shot. So that would be my main plea um, to kind of the young people out there is just Uh be really thoughtful um, if you're able to disengage with substances or to delay it um, for as long as you can anything would be helpful just to give your brain a starting chance at kind of the early part of your life and for everybody i would just encourage you look at yourself and look after yourself so it's never too late to try doing something different and action is always possible whether you're eight or 88 years old Um, it's always possible to look after yourself differently if you want to
0: sweet very very insightful i love that uh it's so important to just uh, i I guess and you make it so simple just with the awareness and taking action and, and what you become aware i love that all um for the people though where could they find more of you where could they find more of your advice or tips
1: Yeah, actually, I have co authored two books within the last couple of years. So I'm the co author of addiction is addiction. And the addiction is addiction workbook. So together, it's kind of a nice self help tool um, for people who are looking to cultivate both more awareness as well as action. So awareness can come through the reading of the main book, Addiction is Addiction, but then we develop the workbook, which has lots of practical questions and exercises and suggestions for action that people can take um, if they're ready and willing to do so. So those are found on Amazon um, and lots of different places. So if you just Google addiction is addiction, hopefully the book would come up.
0: Sweet. So just addiction is addiction. I'm probably going to have to give that one a check as well. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun.
0: Yeah. Sweet. And I'll end it right there.